The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Later, we're going to be joined, as we always are, by our producer, our fantastic producer, Darren Ball. And he has some more questions and comments from you. And we're so grateful for the many comments that you're putting up, both coming straight to us and also you're putting them up uh, on, on various podcasts and releases that go out. And we do appreciate that. But today, we're going to get straight into something which I don't think should be a surprise to anyone at all. Um, but if it is, then it's desperately needed by that person, I would have to say. Um, and it's very significant that it's something that was identified by a karmic lord, Mars Sector 6. So this will be about the need to break free from racial prejudice. Because in the fifth freedom, which we're looking at today, Mars Sector 6 describes how the state of cosmic consciousness releases us from numerous limitations. And just to remind any new uh, listeners to our podcast, first of all, welcome. And we are basing this whole show, the Spiritual Freedom Show, around a series of transmissions delivered by an intelligence called Mars Sector 6 through the mediumship of Dr. George King, the Nine Freedoms. And today we're looking at one extract. We have that opportunity to look at just one extract in depth, and that's in the Fifth Freedom. But it's amazing how we're conditioned to live by and accept concepts which really are entirely illogical. It goes on all the time. Uh, They're not only illogical, they can be destructive, they can be wrong, they can cause suffering, they have caused suffering, they can cause death, they have caused death. And we can do that without even realising how illogical we are being. I mean, we humanity through the ages. And even now... Uh, that still applies today. Every now and then, the world goes through a change and recognises that behaviour, which had been considered okay, acceptable, um, even uh, polite and uh, the correct behaviour, every now and then it suddenly realises that is completely out of order. And although it was considered proper, maybe for centuries, it was nothing of the sort. You know, there's a very well-known hymn, which used to be sung frequently and may still be in Christian churches. I think they may have rewritten some of it now, but in the original, it was one verse of it was really quite shocking. And those of you who had a, a, a or have or had a Christian um, upbringing or life uh, will recognize the hymn I'm referring to. It's called All Things Bright and Beautiful. Um, and I must admit, there's some very nice words in it. It was written in the 19th century, and there's things about birds singing, a purple-headed mountain, all very beautiful. But right in the middle of it, you've got this verse, and it's this. The rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate, 
God made them high or lowly and ordered their estate. And I don't think, as I say, many people sing those words now, but some probably do. And it's obvious what they're meant to convey, that a poor man at the gate of a rich man's castle is meant to be there. It's God's will that there are poor man standing at the gate of a rich man's castle. It's not about karma, by the way, where, you know, we may have to go through experiences that we need. Uh, we do have to do that. That does happen. It's going much further than that. It's saying it's justifying a disgraceful distribution of wealth. Let's put it that way. And in that period of history, it was accepted. It was sung about. It was believed to be God's will. Now, nearly everyone would think that was a pretty disgraceful kind of approach. And of course, and I'm only using this to illustrate the point here, there, there would be many a wealthy person singing that particular hymn in a comfortable pew in a church on a Sunday morning, and they would make them feel better about themselves. And the next time they passed a beggar in rags, they wouldn't feel what they should feel, uh, which is, this isn't right. I can do something about this. I may have to make a small sacrifice, but I can do something. But that's just one tiny example of a conditioning which existed at one time, which was thought to be correct and proper, and now uh, would be probably thought of as misguided or worse, uh, accepting a limitation in our world. You know, we tend to forget nowadays that the people who campaigned to abolish the slave trade over 200 years ago weren't regarded by their contemporaries, for the most part anyway, as heroic figures. Far from it. They, were, they thought they were mad, really, a lot of them, to be even doing it. Um, most people who were connected, you might say, or other politicians or people in high society, so-called, couldn't understand why people like them, the abolitionists, would fritter their time away on such a trivial, as they saw it, absurd issue. Very odd for us to be seeing that now, uh, giving up their prospects and so on. But now we can see that millions of lives were saved by the abolition of the slave trade. Now, I believe, it's taught in schools much more than certain aspects of the Napoleonic Wars, which when I was learning that period of history, that's all you heard about. And that's in the 60s. So there's a couple of examples of how things can change. And in the fifth freedom, Mars Sector 6 identifies four of the limitations which we have allowed to infest our life. And one of those we're going to focus on today. So let's listen to this extract now, uh, please, Darren, from the fifth freedom. A terrestrial man is continually limiting these latent abilities within his real self. He is continually imposing limitation after limitation upon these glorious aspects of true creation. And what is the result? Racial prejudice, adherence and vain worship to some piece 
of multicolored cloth. A possession. Family tie. So there's our list of four things. Racial prejudice, the one we're looking at today. And yes, in the last 60 years since that was delivered, things have definitely improved, but it still exists. Even tribal prejudice still exists in this day and age. An advanced person, and we like to go deeper into these things, knows that they themselves have been in previous lives of various, if not of all, the main races. By main, I mean most commonly identified, that the mind and soul is above and beyond their physical, never mind their race, and that it is impossible for any one race to be superior to another one. To the metaphysician, that's an absurd as well as wrong, unkind and sometimes cruel idea. And as we free ourselves of these limitations, we go beyond physical experience and all, and it would also include to sexism, by the way, as well, because An advanced person knows that they may be a predominantly male or female soul, but they are very likely to have incarnated in the other sex in one life or another. And so, just as we've been born in all the major religions in one life or another. So these prejudices, these barriers aren't only morally wrong, they're based on a very ignorant assumption that the mind and soul of an individual is the product of their race or their sex or their religion of birth or some other genetic or environmental factor. It's above this, and such limited thinking prevents us, and this is the key point Mars Sector 6 is making, from attaining enlightenment and ultimately cosmic consciousness. Breaking free from racial prejudice, even if it be a subliminal type of racial prejudice, is absolutely essential to our spiritual advancement, as well, of course, as to our service to humanity as a whole. What do you say, Darren? Oh, yeah. I mean, what I love most about what you said there is that it's um, it's not just about what's morally right. Is it's also you've highlighted the absurdity of any kind of prejudice, all, all those you listed there in the light of spiritual truth. And I think yeah. the greatest guide that we can have in life uh, you know, is spiritual truth in that way. And reincarnation changes everything, doesn't it? Because we're, we're being prejudiced against ourselves, really, because we've been all the things we might be prejudiced about, probably. It would bring a revolution, I think, in all thought on Earth if there was a more common understanding of common, common reincarnation. Now, do we have any questions this uh, this week, Darren? I've got one right here. So um, as people know, I share a question or a moment of truth on the show every week. So if you haven't written to us before, do drop us a line. That's at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk with any questions, comments, or experiences. This question I've got here from someone who says, you can shine a light into darkness, but never darkness into light. Does this mean the redeeming vibration will always have to come from outside oneself, or can it be triggered from within? Gosh, that's a very, that's a profound question, isn't it, Darren? And and as people know, I don't hear these questions before uh, you ask them. And I'm going to ask you just to read that one very quickly again, please. Sure. You can shine a light into darkness, but never into light. Does this mean the redeeming vibration will always have to come from outside oneself? Or can it be triggered from within? Well, to take it technically, no, it doesn't have to come from outside oneself, because inside us is light. Inside us is illumination as well as it so it can be either can come from outside or from inside. But you're right. And, you know, it's interesting. The what you might call the dark forces will have to take uh, if they wish to practice their negative magic, which we strongly recommend against. 
uh, they often have to take something that is good and then twist it because the originality is lacking. They have to use something that's sacred and somehow turn it on its head or try to or try to uh, pervert it in some way because light is the force which will triumph in the end and light is the there's only one energy as we've been told and that is yeah i agree and i think when we think about um kind of our role in service and what it means to uh express ourselves in selfless service as an, as an expression of this unconditional love it's it's almost about uh, inspiring this 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 seed of light this spark of light within people to blossom forth so i mean for me no question as well yes that it's you can um, we can inspire it and all but there's this light within that we're bringing forth into a into a roaring flame that's how i like to think about the service that we do absolutely and do you have any announcements yeah, I'd just like to say, of course, if you're tuning in with us for the first time, I invite you to find out more about the Nine Freedoms and the extraterrestrial intelligence who gave these teachings, known as Mars Sector 6, that Richard talked about a little bit there. Do visit our website, ethereus.org, that's A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org, to find out more about that. We've been receiving a, a lot of um, a lot of feedback on the on the, the new 15-minute format oh, yeah. over the last over the last um, couple of months or so now that we've been going with it. And I think uh, this person probably summed up the feedback pretty well. They said, thank you for another thought-provoking show this weekend. Although on one level, this 15-minute format seems almost frustratingly short, it is definitely more accessible from a practical point of view and allows for greater contemplation on each gold nugget. And I think um, that's, that's really what we're going for here. It is. And, you know, we are open to change. We changed from last year. We, we're doing 15 minutes this year. We'll have to see how it goes. But we had some people who love the new format, some, I must admit, who would like it to be longer. So we'll see how that goes. But thank you all for listening to the show. And please always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. So later we're going to be joined by our producer, Darren Ball, uh, with a, more of your question, at least one question and some comments, because we're really grateful for all the comments and questions we are getting from you. It really makes a big difference to us, I can assure you. And we started last week, as you may know, if you heard it, I hope you remember, uh, with an extract from the fifth freedom. As you know, we're looking at the nine freedoms on this show, delivered through Dr. George King in deep somatic trance by Mars Sector 6. And in this extract, he identified four of the limitations which we need to break free from and overcome in our journey to enlightenment, to cosmic consciousness, and above all, to real effective service for the world as a whole. And they are nuanced in a way. They can be uh, misunderstood if we aren't careful. And this is the beauty of this particular show, that we can have the chance to go hopefully deeply into what Mars Sector 6 really means by a particular point. And we're going to take the second of those limitations that he's identified, which is adherence and vain worship to some piece of multicoloured 
cloth, obviously meaning the flag of a nation. And he's not there saying you shouldn't be proud of your country. He's not saying that you shouldn't uh, study your history or support your national football team or, or, or even to a degree to be patriotic. He's talking about adherence to, be limited by, or vain worship. So it's very precise statement that he's made. Let's listen to it. I'm going to ask Darren now to play the extract we heard last week again. A terrestrial man is continually limiting these latent abilities within his real self. He is continually imposing limitation after limitation upon these glorious aspects of true creation. And what is the result? Racial prejudice, adherence and vain worship to some piece of multicolored cloth. A possession family tie. Thank you, Darren. So we're looking at the second of these now, adherence to and vain worship of a piece of multicolored cloth, obviously the flag of your of your of a particular nation. And just to repeat, there's nothing wrong, for example, in enjoying the culture produced by a particular nation, your own nation, your own local community, and relating to it because of that. I mean, it could be Spanish flamenco, it could be Indian food, it could be Russian ballet, it could be anything that's associated. But having said that, some people will love any of those things and not necessarily come from those particular nations. That's one thing. But wanting to invade another country, and let's face it, this happened through history, and it's happening now, the danger of it is ever-present. Wanting to invade another country to add to the prestige and power of your own nation is not only wrong and destructive, but this is the point. It's based on a delusion. It's based on ignorance. Disliking people because they come from a different nation than your own, possibly a nation that you're opposed to, is a damaging limitation for you and as an individual and for the world as a whole. We are related no more to fellow citizens of our country than we are to fellow citizens anywhere in the world. We are one race. In fact, it's possible that in a former life you came from that very nation you're now looking down upon, that you now despise, if you do despise any nation. I'm sure you can see the absurdity of it all. And there's something in this. It's a good exercise. Look at it from the point of view of a cosmic intelligence. Looking down on our world, an alien intelligence, if you like, They don't look upon us as Russians, Chinese, South Africans, or what have you. They look upon us as one race, Earth people, who have come through their lives, reincarnated through their lives, in a multitude of different nations, 
and of different races. And just because we live in different geographical regions, it's ridiculous to think that people who live in another geographical region are inferior to us because they've got a different flag, because they're in a different location. It seems obvious, really, and you could almost wonder why Mars Sector 6 feels it necessary to make the point, almost, until you look around the world and then you really can see it. The conflicts, the deaths, the suffering caused, the millions of deaths caused by politicians talking up hostility and war, and it can't all be laid at the door of politicians, those who support them because of their blind loyalty. I think that's what vain worship is meaning, blind loyalty to a national cause, but just because it's a nation that you're in. Uh, the enlightened person is free from such delusions. They might feel proud of their nation, they might be dedicated to helping their fellow citizens, but they'll want to help wherever they can. And they'll be able to say, well, look, actually, Yemen or Ethiopia or some other nation actually needs my help more than the country I'm in. There's so many people who've been able to do that. Schweitzer was one. Mother Teresa was another. People praying couldn't be praying for a country on the other side of the planet and helping that country, it's not a nationalistic exercise, or it shouldn't be. And this old saying, charity begins at home, and they usually mean their own household, maybe their local community, maybe their country. But how limited is that when you think about it? Why should we limit acts of service to people just because they are physically close to us, or even emotionally close to us? And if you are able to say that your home actually is planet Earth, it would be more understandable because the people of Earth, we are so backward, we desperately need whatever help we can get. But we're told, actually, that even that isn't necessarily correct. A more advanced race than us from another world who is aware of other races uh, who need their help will be more inclined to help them because they need their help more than those from their own planet. And we've seen intelligences come to our Earth. Jesus is one. Buddha is another. Uh, an alien race. And they'll give their life for it in the case of the Master Jesus. And they'll give their life blood for it in the case of the Lord Buddha. That is the cosmic approach. And until we cast off limitations like nationalism, nationalism, not even national pride, but nationalism, we will never be able to advance into the highest states of consciousness, and perhaps even more seriously, we will limit our service, which needs to be free of nationalistic boundaries. We just need to look at where the help is needed and give that help regardless of the flag being flown in the country where it's needed. So Darren, those are our thoughts for this week. What say you? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great exercise to to think more in that way because I think the more we try to take the perspective of these enlightened beings from other worlds, um, the more we try to think like them, the more we can um, start to become like them, which is ultimately our own journey. You know, the more we'll begin to raise our own consciousness and uh, emulate not only what they are like, but also the worlds they've been able to create. Um, and I think that's that's going to be an inspiration for us all. Yeah, I think the master theorist did state I haven't got it in front of me, but that you know, although he represents Venus. Um, he himself spends more is more concerned about this planet Earth. It's not the planet he's yeah. from, far from it. But he knows we need his help much more. 
And he, well, he gives it in ways that we will... I remember uh, Dr. King used to say uh, that uh, he, he, he thought the master of theorists was in the very air you breathe, uh, well, whatever yeah. that might mean, um, in the wind. Uh, he, he, mm. If you breathe, Ethereus lives, is a, is a, is a quote. So, yeah, that's the, that's yeah, the way they live. Quote. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure you have some questions. Sorry, I'm interrupting you, Darren. Well, I was just going to say, the more we begin to emulate that, I think, in our own small way, um, the more we will be able to, uh, you know, just like the examples you gave, you know, uh, helping where the help is needed. I think that can always, that can always be a, a guide for yeah. us in terms of overcoming this limitation that Mars Sector 6 has. Absolutely. Has here. Absolutely. So, so if you are tuning in for the first time, I invite you to find out more about the nine freedoms in Mars Sector 6. You can visit our website. That's ethereus.org. That's A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. I do pick out a question or a moment of truth to share on every show. So if you haven't written to us before, do drop us a line at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk with any questions, comments, or spiritual experiences that you'd like to share, which is um, something uh, like what I have today. Um, so this person says, Dear Richard, I learned about the Ethereum Society in April 2021. I've been listening to all the podcasts for the Spiritual Freedom Show as well as um, Ethereum Radio Live. And recently, you asked for listeners to write in regarding their experiences doing the violet flame and the white light visualization with the prayer. So I'm one who tends to, uh, to be slow to feel anything and then to have subtle experiences. And I've been doing this visualization prayer at least once daily, as well as other practices from the Ethereum study. And for most of these months, I've, I've not had any vivid visualization experience or sensation. But now I've begun to feel the violet flame and the white light. It's coming to life for me. Also, I believe that Richard mentioned, or, or perhaps Dr. King suggested, um, that one can enhance this practice by remembering prior good related experiences or something like that. And this idea helped me. Decades ago, when I was involved in the periphery of a, a yoga ashram in Lydians, the teacher often transmitted um, Shaktipat. Indeed, and, and indeed, as the theory study warned, some participants did have some seriously dangerous Kundalini reactions. But during those long years ago, my experience of receiving this was an opening in my heart center. And uh, so now I, I, I gently encourage my body to recall that feeling whilst doing the violet flame and the white light as you taught, and it's beginning to enhance my... Uh, subtle but very real experience of these practices so thank you very much for your service what a great uh, contribution thank you very much for that and uh, I, there's a lot in there just picking on one thing a visualization like the violet flame uh, it's interesting that at first she wasn't or he or she wasn't getting a lot of results and then later on they came uh, that can happen and the reason being that the violet flame is a real force it really does exist and likewise, the white light. So it's not, a, as it were, an invention, as some visualizations taught are. It's a real thing. And so when you start, it's a visualization. It's, as it were, in your imagination. But it enables you to connect with a reality. And then that reality starts to take place. And then you really start to experience it. And some people can even smell it. Uh, some people, in my case, sometimes you can actually see it. You, you can really see the color around you. More importantly, I think you can feel it. Even if none of those things happen to you, just get an uplifting, cleansing experience. Those things are real experiences. So uh, that's, a, I think, a, a real helpful guide. On the, uh, quickly on the Shakti Kundalini point, also the violet flame, if you've been needing this balance or control, will really help with that too, uh, because it's a real force that comes from Mother Earth. 
Yeah, I think um, there's some great points of guidance there. And I it just, just echo, I think, that it's so easy to give up quickly on these type of practices, you know, when you don't see any, any immediate result. But but certainly, I've, I've you know, I've seen in my own experience the sort of determination and, and continuing to practice this, as this person has demonstrated here and, and reported in the testimony, is the way. And I think um, one little secret of it is really connecting with the source of this violet flame. Um, I'll just share quickly that um, uh, recently, I think sometime late last year, um, I was working on something for the website about the Mother Earth. You know, it was many, many, many hours of work to do that. And I remember after it was published, the next time I did the Violet Flame, it was like a completely different experience. And I think part of that was just beginning to connect much more and appreciate the Mother Earth for for what uh, she is and what she has done for us. And I think that's one of the secrets of this practice. Thanks, Tarrant. Great experience. Brings us to the end of this particular show. But please always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. So later we're going to be joined by our producer Darren Ball with another of your questions and some comments. Uh, but first, we're going to carry on looking at this extract from the fifth freedom in the nine freedoms by Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King, uh, which has been identifying four of the limitations that we need to overcome in our journey towards enlightenment, towards cosmic consciousness and towards global service, which is the thing that really, really counts in these days. So today we're talking about breaking free from possession. And that doesn't mean in case anyone's wondering, getting rid of everything you're, you own. It doesn't mean that. Uh, actually, it, there was a time when the spiritual aspirant, the sannyasin or the sadhu or whatever they were called, even actually the, the Western monk sometimes, uh, or none, it did get rid of everything they owned as part of their spiritual vocation. It doesn't mean that here. It means getting rid of a mindset, a mind state, uh, in this world, you you know, we need to have a home of some sort, generally. We generally need to have some clothes to wear, some food to eat, maybe a vehicle to travel in, and so on and so on, just to carry out our work in life. And that's the main thing in these days, our work, our spiritual work. And that will involve, in most cases, also having to do some material work in order to have the income in order to do our spiritual work. So whatever our mission in life may be, and hopefully it's a spiritual one, that's what we're focused on on the Spiritual Freedom Show. Yes, we all need to have certain things to live in this world. But the key is not to be attached to them. Possession is a state of mind, and it's a state of mind which stands in the way of enlightenment because it's not based on real truth. And we're trying to go deeper behind these things, racial prejudice, nationalism, possession. Uh, Master Theorist put it brilliantly. He said this, in, you are in charge for the time being 
of a combined set of molecules, but you do not really own one atom of one cell of your body. Your body belongs to everybody. It is constantly changing, going to and coming from other bodies. How can you really own this body when you are constantly interchanging atoms with the whole universe? Thousands of atoms pass through your mental and physical bodies every second, which are made better or worse for their passage. And that is, a, as it were, a physical analysis, but it's the truth of the matter. We live in a, in a basic physical realm here. There are those on higher realms who have a much better culture, let's put it that way. But in this realm, the world is dominated by money, by legal ownership, and we have to operate in that world in order to achieve things. As I say, the old sannyasins avoided that. They took up the begging bowl, even. They freed themselves of the possession mindset by having no possessions. But in a way, it's a little bit like this. If you are a recovering alcoholic uh, and you just cut yourself away from all drink, all people who drank, uh, all bars, all places which sold drink, you never came ever into contact with any alcohol, that would be one way to go. But the other way to go, which uh, I always find very commendable, I have friends who are recovering alcoholics, they can sit in a bar while other people are drinking and still not touch that drink at all. Uh, they still know that for them, that's not the way to go. And they can do that. It may not be a good example, this. But in this particular age, where we have to work in the world, on this realm, in service, we have to deal with so-called possessions. We have to do that, be in it, but not of it, and not attached to it, and not have the possession mindset. So in the light of that, let's listen again to the extract we heard last two weeks, uh, and it's identifying these four things, of which one of them is possession. So would you please play that for us now, Darren? A terrestrial man is continually limiting these latent abilities within his real self. He is continually imposing limitation after limitation upon these glorious aspects of true creation. And what is the result? Racial prejudice adherence and vain worship to some piece of multi-coloured cloth. A possession, family tie. So there again we have the four of which one is possession and I want to now do something which I always find a really worthwhile, which is to bring in another teacher. I mentioned the master theorist already. I'd like to now mention the master Jesus, because they come in with their different approaches, their different styles of delivery, uh, and they add and, to the points, but they're all, as you would expect, exactly on the same page. So after the third blessing in the 12 blessings, 
If you want to know more about the 12 Blessings, go to 12blessings.org. You can even join in there with services of the 12 Blessings. After the third blessing, the Master Jesus makes this statement. Let not the four-headed monster possession breathe its hot breath upon your hearts, but be at peace. I'd like to have a crack at what that means at a mystical level. Let not the four-headed monster possession breathe its hot breath upon your hearts, but be at peace. This would be my uh, interpretation for what it's worth. I'm not saying it's the only one by any means. It's been known throughout the ages that there are five mystical elements, five major pranas, five minor pranas, five tattvas, as the Sanskrit word for the qualities of the elements. And four of those you'll be familiar with probably from astrology, earth, water, fire, air. But to the alchemist, these are the elements which comprise material existence, manifesting from the qualities they provide. The fifth element is the one they were really seeking in, they were most interested in. Uh, that is ether, or in Sanskrit, akasha, uh, hence the akashic records. It's not by chance that the master Etherius uses a name, Etherius, which actually means one who travels, or if you like, speaks, through the ethers, not travels through space, but through the ethers of space. And if you only dwell on the existence of the four without the higher fifth element, you are limiting yourself to materialism. The four-headed monsters, what it then becomes uh, on its own. With Akasha, you have a spiritualization of mass. Uh, that's a phrase from the Master Theorist too. It transmutes it into something higher. And that's a reality in which no possession as a mindset can exist. And then we have this very poetic statement and there's some beautiful poetry uh, in, the, in the Twelve Blessings. As Dr. King himself used to discuss, remember one whole dinner where he eulogized over the, the poetry in the Twelve Blessings. And here's a phrase, breathe its hot breath upon your hearts. Let not possession breathe its hot breath upon your hearts, but be at peace. A powerful image. I'm sure we can relate to it because that mindset of possession arouses passions, disturbs stillness, ruffles the lake of peace. And it has a mystical meaning too, because to raise the power of Kundalini above a psychic center leaves that center cold. If it's still warm, if it's still hot, then it is still active. You haven't mastered it. You haven't controlled it. So you can see there's some very advanced mysticism in that beautiful statement. Uh, Let not the four-headed monster possession breathe its hot breath upon your hearts, but be at peace. And combined with the warning there of the Mars, uh, the great karmic lord, Mars Sector 6, I think we have a, a very, very valuable pointer. We have to get past all thought, all attachment, if you like, to possession. We have to spiritualize, call it transmutation, if you like. That's what we're put on earth to do. Darren, your thoughts. Yeah, gosh, some inspiring metaphysical insights there, I think, into the words of the Master Jesus. Really love that. And it goes to show um, how much depth there is in just just a few words. I mean, it's just a few words, isn't it? But, yes. Um, we can talk a great length about what it really means. And uh, I think that's the the, the beauty of um, 
spiritual truth. Well, right? that would be my my take on it, Darren, and I'm not saying it's the only one. But if you're tuning in for the first time, I invite you to find out more about the Nine Freedoms and Mars Sector 6 at our website. That's ethereus.org, A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. And of course, as Richard mentioned, there's also the 12 Blessings, one, two, as digits, blessings.org, uh, where you can also find out more about how you can join in with these online world healing services. So I pick out a moment of truth uh, or a question to share in every show. And if you have something you'd like to share, do drop us a line at Spiritual Freedom at Richard Lawrence at UK. Got a great question here this week, Richard. Um, this person says, hello, Richard, what is the goal of life? Is it to achieve cosmic consciousness or other things along with this? That's a great question and very apposite for the particular show we're doing because we're on the fifth freedom. We're on cosmic consciousness. The goal of life for the individual is to attain on this earth ascension. That's the individual goal. But the the mechanism, if you like, the language of doing that is service uh, to all. And service to all comes first, even above now in this day and age, our own development, our own advancement. So both are true and they come together as one. Service is the way we should do it and we should put service first. But our ultimate destination, yes, we have to attain cosmic consciousness, but that's not the end. Cosmic consciousness then has to be mastered through lives before we reach ascension. Uh, and then we are free, as it were, of the wheel of rebirth on this planet anyway. Actually, we now know from the nine freedoms that it goes way beyond that until eventually we return back to God. But it's not we, and we've talked about this before on the Spiritual Freedom Show, as individuals, it's we as a whole, it's we collectively, it's all people, it's all mass, it's all um, manifestation. And we that's why service is the key, because we are a part of the whole. Yeah, and I think um, one thing that I, well, you know, that certainly I didn't have clarity on the beginning of this journey at all. And I think um, other, other people too, is that when you, when we talk about, you know, achieving cosmic consciousness, um, we often think of it as like something we have to do apart from other things. But actually, as you've said there, you know, Ascension is the mastery over all life on earth, all experience here, this, this mm. entire classroom that we have here on earth. So everything that we can think of is, is a part of doing this. That's true. And, you know, in the old days, it was used to be thought that you can only have really valuable experiences in deep meditation. And they shunned experience and they detached from, frankly, other people. I mean, they knew they were indirectly helping other people by entering states of enlightenment. But that's all changed now. We have to directly engage with other people. So we may have to forego a meditative situation uh, and, a, and a development situation to serve others. But that's all going to be part of our journey because that too, as the Nine Freedoms tells us, will raise the inner consciousness, will raise the inner forces, including Kundalini, and lead us to those higher states. So there's really no conflict you know, between it. It's a question of um, priorities. And the priority is very clearly service to all. And the strange thing is, when you gain enlightenment all the great ones have told us the thing that you really realize is the oneness of all life so it's really a nonsense to just focus on our own development at the exclusion of others yeah absolutely that's that's the, the absolute message isn't it in, t in terms of um the message that mars sector six has given us and i think also just a, a last point in this is that um i think it also highlights to us the value of experience itself it does um 
you know, that what we could, you know, in terms of living our life and the things that we could, you know, the opportunities that we have to master certain things and to overcome certain obstacles in our journey is, 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 you know, what this is, uh, what this is about in terms of ultimately getting to mastery over all experience on earth. Very true. And thank you all for listening to the show this week. And please always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. So later we're going to be joined, as we always are, by our great producer, Darren Ball. He's got questions and comments, and we're going to be hearing those. We do love them, and we thank you, and please keep them coming in. Uh, They're coming in uh, in various ways, by email, to our podcasts, and so on, and we do appreciate them. Now, we've been looking for the last three shows at a particular quotation in the fifth freedom delivered by Mars Sector 6 through the outstanding mediumship of my master, Dr. George King, uh, primary terrestrial mental channel. And we've been analyzing four of the limitations that he identifies that stand between us and enlightenment and stand between us and cosmic consciousness. And I would say for sure, stand between us and real effective global world service. So the three we've looked at so far are racial prejudice adherence to and vain worship of the national flag of nationalism if you like the third one was possession as a mindset not that we can't have any possessions at all not that we've got to give up everything we've got and uh, go out as virtually wanderers without possessions not that but the mindset of possession stands between us and our advancement and this one we're going to look at and this is the most as far as I'm concerned to be very honest here the most difficult one I find to talk about because I think we all love our family or most of us do and in my case I have a wonderful family I was very fortunate a really good upbringing Um, and yet Mars Sector 6 gives this for a reason and we have to understand why he gives it and that is family tie. So I think probably the best thing we could do is go straight, uh, Darren, to the extract, and then we'll try and look at the deeper meaning behind this. So could you please now play that extract for the last time on the Spiritual Freedom Show? A terrestrial man is continually limiting these latent abilities within his real self. He is continually imposing limitation after limitation upon these glorious aspects of true creation. 
And what is the result? Racial prejudice, adherence and vain worship to some piece of multicolored cloth. A possession, family tie. I want to stress very clearly there that Mars Sector 6 does not say family, but he does say family tie. And had he said family, the meaning would be entirely different. And with Mars Sector 6, because he can be very terse, he's always very precise we have to look at exactly what he says. So to be clear, he's not saying that family per se is a limitation that will prevent us from realizing the higher states of being. We know everyone who's ever entered a higher state of being has come from a family uh, in that particular life. And in our stage of evolution, we need family uh, in order to procreate, in order to raise children, uh, that's the way it is. It won't always be that way on Earth. There's a different system on other planets uh, which doesn't involve procreation and uh, the, it won't be the sort of family units as we have. Family units on this Earth can, can extend almost, to, well, they have extended and still do to tribes and so on. That isn't always going to be the way it is on Earth. But let me be clear that Dr. King, when he lectured on this, um, said that it doesn't certainly mean family responsibility uh, because we should live up to genuine family responsibilities fully. And a spiritual aspirant should absolutely do that. So it doesn't mean, for example, as some disreputable cults encourage, that we should reject all family connections. Not at all. Not at all. I want to be very clear on that. We're not saying that. In the Ethereum Society, we don't do that. And as I say, I'm, I'm lucky myself to come from a wonderful family. But let's look at what he actually is referring to. Putting family relations above spiritual duty would be wrong. Should that ever arise, and if you are a very... Uh, serious uh, spiritual aspirant, it might well arise. There's no particular reason, for example, why you should follow the, your religion of birth, as most people do. I think there's an example of family tie. They follow a particular religion, religion just because they're born into it. That doesn't make it true. You need to find for yourself the path you are meant to follow, it, follow regardless now, it, there may be no conflict about this in your family, but if there is, then your spiritual choice comes first. Mars Sector 6 tells us, by the way, elsewhere in this transmission, that no one is a nearer relative to us than our enemy. So when it comes to service, there's no more particular reason, other than if we have a family obligation, of course, which we should honour, let me stress that, but there's when, no more reason why we should be concerned with service to uh, relatives of ours than we would be to perhaps even more needy people in a remote part of the world. 
I'm sure you're familiar with the old saying that blood is thicker than water, which is taken to mean that our bond with our physical relations is stronger than with, with any other person. But that isn't necessarily isn't necessarily true either. It might be, depending who is in your family, but it might not be. There might be someone you have known for several lives. And once again, as with racial prejudice, as with nationalism, that's where reincarnation changes everything. You might have built up a bond of service. You might have built up a bond of truth between you and another soul, which lasts through the lives, and you might be much closer to them than you might be, I say might be, to certain members of your family. And so literally, it can be skin deep, uh, this connection. Uh, now, it might be a fam there's a family person you've known for lives before you don't remember them but you have this very strong bond and of course if you've grown up with a person you will be have a great love for them there's nothing wrong in that but in fact and this might interest you the saying blood is thicker than water is actually derived from an earlier saying which means the exact opposite and that is and quote the blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb and what it really means is the blood of the covenant, probably the covenant with God, is stronger even than what is produced through procreation and physical relations. It's a strange thing that family tie is so powerful on our world that it has even transformed major religions. I'll just give one example. It is believed by people now generally, and I've, I'm sure you know this, that Christmas is meant to be a family occasion. And it's become that. And I want to stress, there's nothing, I've had wonderful family Christmases, and no doubt will again, and there's nothing wrong in it. So don't get me wrong here, but it's that's one thing. You want to have a nice family Christmas, have a nice family Christmas. But don't think that that's what Christmas is really meant to be about. I mean, Jesus was not a family-orientated person. He left his parents, we're told, at the age of 12, and to quote, to go about my father's business. And he was talking about his father, God, not Joseph, his physical father. Some of his disciples left their families to help the master Jesus in his mission. Uh, not ideal, you might say, but saving the whole world had to come first for them. Uh, Buddha, too, left his young family to perform his mission. Now, I'm not suggesting anyone leaves their family, not at all. So please don't get me wrong, but it is strange that some religions have adopted a family culture which weren't based in that at all. Now, I want to stress it again. It isn't necessary I wouldn't encourage, and we certainly don't advocate in any way, and I'm sure Mars Sector 6 is not advocating this, that we cut off connections with our family. And as you, I think, see that I'm finding it quite difficult to talk about this because I want to be balanced and correct. But it's also true, and there must be a reason for him to make the point in this transmission about family tie, that we have been conditioned through the centuries and we're not seeing it for what it is and for what it really isn't. Blood may be thicker than water, or even if it is thicker than water, truth is 
our first priority and it lasts longer than either of them. So over to you there, Darren, for your comments on this, uh, I think, very nuanced topic. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think um, it's a powerful message there, nevertheless, about following your spiritual destiny. And Mm. uh, we all have a spiritual destiny, as we've heard many times from Dr. King and the Cosmic Masters. And even in terms of the question that you answered on the last show about, you know, our journey um, to cosmic consciousness and ascension and mastering all experience here on Earth. Yes. So I think it's, uh, it's ultimately that that we need to keep in mind. Agreed, agreed. Uh, so if you're tuning in with us for the first time, I do invite you to check out, uh, find out more about the Nine Freedoms, I should say, and Mars Sector 6 at our website. That's ethereus.org, A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org, um, where you can discover more about this great extraterrestrial intelligence who gave these teachings. Uh, now, I do pick out a question or a moment of truth every show. And I've um, actually, since we're talking about destiny this week, we have a moment of truth that I'd like to share. It goes as follows. Um, Some 12 years ago, I became burned out of my job and resigned from both my job and profession and relocated to the South Coast. I knew intuitively that the next part of my journey had to do with yoga and healing, and I retrained as a yoga teacher and energy therapist. Although not unsuccessful, I knew that I wasn't doing enough and that I had to do more on a larger scale. One day, as I looked out my window, I saw the face of the Master Jesus in front of me, and I heard the clearly spoken words in my head, the greatest amount of healing for the greatest number of people. I realized that it couldn't possibly have been such a great master talking to the likes of me. But looking back, I feel that his image was projected there by my guides as a major clue that I would so that I wouldn't subsequently miss it. Um, However, at the time, I thought it was a wonderful goal, but one that I had no idea how to achieve. I I spent some weeks wondering if I should try to mount some kind of healing roadshow with others and take it around the country. But uh, nevertheless, I found myself a couple of months later at the Mind Body Spirit Festival in London and drawn to the Ethereum Society stand. And as I paid for the newly published God's Guides and Guardian Angels, I was told that Richard was about to speak in a lecture upstairs. I rushed up the six flights and flew into a seat at the back. And after the lecture, I was browsing some literature when um, someone put into a flyer into my hand and said, here's a pilgrimage that we have in in late July and do come. And uh, I'm afraid I became almost like the character from the Close Encounters film who had to get to the mountain. And my family must have thought I'd gone mad. But I announced that I was going to Devon for three days to climb a mountain with a load of people I'd never met. And I rang a guest house in Coombe Martin and booked a room, frigging that there must be someone who could tell me how to get there. Down at the Hunters Inn afterwards, um, someone asked me how I'd got on. And I replied that I'd realized that this was it, that this was the greatest amount of healing for the greatest number of people. And the rest, as they say, is history. Gosh, that's a wonderful account. And actually, right in the middle there, she said, my family thought I'd gone mad, but I still did it. There's an example of what we're talking about today, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I hadn't even noticed that. what you meant true. to do. Um, and yeah, uh, and I don't think I can sort of add to it. I mean, I'll only just say that, you know, the impression she had of the Master Jesus' face, there are many ways that these things can come. Um, you know, whether or not it's like a contact with Jesus himself individually, which isn't impossible by the way, um, it, or whether it's an impression or a vision. Nevertheless, the message is a very, very great one. And boy, and she lived it, and or he, I, I don't know who the person is, but it's a fantastic account. And I think that's a great conclusion. Please always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment.